That's a clown question, bro. Hi, what's up, Bunny? So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. If you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome to the show to be named later, part two of episode 80, where we are talking about the 1998 Yankees. How are we doing, Daniel? Truly, this is the last time you say uh, show to be named later. I said it last time because uh, that was the more official intro. But uh, yeah, yeah, this is this is it. This is the last broadcast we will ever do as a show to be named later. Yeah, that is that is true. Or we become we will. I mean, this obviously it doesn't mean we're going to cancel the show. We are just getting a new name later is coming. And we're I'm actually very excited. I really like the new name. Yeah, we're uh, it, it definitely fits the show. It absolutely does. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it is funny. It's funny to act to have it the show to be named later and like, you know, have it be the shtick because it's goes along with player to be named later. But eventually it actually gets named. Eventually you got to name that player. Yeah. You can't just forget about it. Yeah. And then, you know, usually this is kind of how long it takes to actually name a player. Like sometimes it happens after like a year and change. Yeah, it's wild. It can be really any time. Like, it can happen in two months. It can happen in two years. There, there might be a trade from the 50s with a player to be named later that hasn't been that hasn't been done yet. Yeah, and then, and then finally the St. Louis Browns get their player. <laughs> <laughs> they, finally, they finally got them. <laughs> they, they finally got their guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we're talking about – this is a, this is a good – um, I guess this isn't the last, this is the first team we are talking about in the year 2021. Uh, we're talking about the 1998 Yankees, maybe the most, one of the most dominant teams ever. Maybe, maybe the most dominant team ever. There's a, there's a case to be made. So yeah, this team was an absolute failure in 1997. They didn't win the world series. Uh, that does not live up to Yankee standards. That's not okay. So, uh, there needed to be changes made. If you remember, they lost to the Indians in the ALDS uh, team that we went over uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, um, it was a that was a game five loss, so it was a heartbreaker. Yes, yes, it was, and uh, they were up two zero in the series, right? Yes. Uh no, they're up one zero. One zero in the series. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, one-0. that's uh, I think part two of episode seventy. Wow, seventy and eighty. Yeah. So changes needed to be made because that is just unacceptable if you're the New York Yankees. So they traded pitcher Kenny Rogers to get Scott Brocious, a third baseman from the Oakland A's. They also signed Chili Davis as a free agent. They signed Daryl Strawberry as a free agent. They signed future Hall of Famer Tim Raines as a free agent. And they traded four players to the Twins to get Chuck Knobloch. A lot of changes coming to this team. And also right before the season started, they signed Orlando Hernandez, a free agent out of Cuba who had just defected. And unfortunately, the Yankees, they didn't get off to the start that they wanted. Uh, they had a brutal start to the season as they dropped four of their first ga- first five games, and they were one and four on the season. That They was last in the American League East by three and a half games. And to top it off, closer Mariano Rivera had an early DL stint after the fifth game of the season. Um if you're a Yankee fan in 1998, I just want to tip my hat to you. If you stuck with this team through the tough times, I mean, one in four after all those 
those players you got, that's brutal. And I mean, only the truest of Yankee fans would be able to stick through that. So if you were one of them, I tip my cap, cap to you. Yeah, I'm confused if we're doing the, the 98 Yankees or the 2019 Nationals. Yeah, or the 2005 Astros. Yeah. Shout out to uh, part two of episode 44. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, with Mar- Mariano Rivera on that DL stint, on April 9th, the Yankees played their home opener against the Oakland Athletics, and it was a wild game. That yeah. <laughs> And the Yankees have won the wildest, highest scoring game in the history of Yankee Stadium. Here on the 75th anniversary of the opening of this venerable old ballpark, they fell behind 5 0. They came back to take a 12 5 lead. They fell behind 13 12. And in 5,694 games, in the regular season, there has never been a higher scoring game at the stadium. So all smiles there. Another look at the last out. There's a pitch breaking ball to the corner. Boyd is frozen. And the Yankees have their victory. So the bullpen heroes today were Graham Lloyd and Jeff Nelson. The hitting hero was that man, Tino Martinez, his first home run of the year, three run shot. Knoblock got in the act with a base hit. Yankees are at 500. Yeah, it's finally over. Took a little better than four hours, but well worth it for Andrew and the mayor and all of the 56,000 plus that came here to Yankee Stadium for this home opener. Always a great day to kickstart the baseball season in New York. So all was well in the house that Ruth built (laughs) until it wasn't. Days later, Yankee Stadium started to collapse. A 500-pound steel expansion joint fell through the roof of the upper deck about 50 feet onto the loge level, obliterating the seat that it landed on. And because of this, the Yankees had to postpone their game against the Anaheim Angels that night and move it to Shea Stadium in Queens. And the Yankees played four games as the home team at Shea Stadium. And while there, a former Mets legend returned to his old stomping grounds the only way that he knew how. Now sends this one high and deep. And gone, the greatest home run hitter Shea Stadium has ever known. It's his 127th career home run here in Flushing. Whoops, stop it right there. (laughs) There's no NY in that apple. But the intention was good as Gerald Strawberry raises the apple and gets the fans to rise from their seats. There are very few hitters. So Daryl Strawberry is back at Chase Stadium doing what he was doing previously in his career at Chase Stadium. So now we move on to uh, the domination phase 
which I guess was kind of the whole season, but especially in, at this point of the Yankees season. You're right about that, Chris. After the one and four start, the Yankees proceeded to step on the throats of everyone in their sight. They won 25 of their next 28 games. I repeat a 25 and three record uh, in over a month of time during these 28 games, which lasted from April 7th to May 13th shortstop Derek Jeter slashed 347, 396, 565 for a 960 OPS. Tino Martinez also slashed 343, 433, 610, 1043 with 10 doubles and six home runs. Also, Tim Raines, he slashed 333, 337, 533, 910 in only 69 plate appearances, which doesn't seem like a lot. But the Yankees went 20 and 0 during this time in games that Tim Raines appeared in. He appeared in 20 games. The Yankees won all 20 of them, which is insane that doesn't happen on may 2nd the yankees had just gotten into first place they were eight and they were up eight to six on the kansas city royals in the ninth inning with the bases loaded and daryl strawberry came up looking to put the nail in that one and a little excitement for the fans that have stuck around here for three and a half hours tonight because with the bases loaded joe torrey is going to go to his bench and call on daryl strawberry the ones that have hung around are the Yankee fans. Boy, this could be real exciting with that wind blowing out to right field. I mean, if he just gets a piece of it airborne to right, it's going to go. To deep center. Damon going back, looking up, and this ball is gone. A grand slam home run for Daryl Strawberry. Do you believe it? It is 12-6 Yankees. They got what they waited for. I mean, have you ever seen so many fans on their feet in the visiting ballpark for a visiting player? So Daryl Strawberry sends all the Yankee fans who traveled out to Missouri happy and puts the nail in that one. On May 13th, the Yankees were 26-7 and on the season, 26-7, and four and a half games up in the American League East. And of all the great games that were played, none of them would top what happened on May 17th. The Yankees were wrapping up a weekend series against the Minnesota Twins on a Sunday, and David Wells was on the mound. Uh, he was a big name pitcher, but he had been struggling throughout the season. He was looking to improve his 523 ERA on the 1998 season. And after being perfect for the first seven innings of the game, he would induce a challenging ground ball in the eighth. Jordan Knobloch, he knocks it down, recovers, throws in time, 23 in a row. Well, that might be the hardest hit ball today. Knobloch knocks it down, has time, makes the accurate throw, and there's out number two here in the eighth inning. So a challenging, tough ball there for Chuck Knobloch, but he was able to knock it down and keep the perfect game alive. Later in the ninth, 
David Wells would go for the second perfect game in New York Yankees history and also the first perfect game in Yankees regular season history with one out to go in the ninth. Bernie Williams plays a step around the left. The 0-1, swung on, he's going to get it. Popped up to right field. O'Neal near the line. He makes the catch. David Wells. David Wells has pissed a perfect game. 27 up, 27 down. Baseball immortality for David Wells. And the Yankees win. The Yankees win. And the entire Yankee team is mobbing David Wells just to the first base side of home plate. As the ball went to right field, Wells backed up toward the third base foul line. And then when Paul O'Neill caught the ball, Wells pumped his left hand up in the air. And he was alone for a moment with his thoughts. And then he was mobbed by Posada, the entire starting nine. And now the bullpen is jogged in. And they are all around David Wells. And when Paul O'Neill caught the ball, he pumped his fist in the air. Almost as in a windmill motion. And they were all part of immortality. And the last guy out of the dugout, Joe Torrey. Joe Torrey had a little verbal spat with David Wells a couple of weeks ago while he touched the right button because the last time he pitched, he pitched great. And now the Yankees are carrying David Wells out the mound on the shoulders of Daryl Strawberry, Willie Banks, and Bernie Williams. This crowd is going nuts. David Wells has pitched as good a baseball game as you can ever pitch. So David Wells pitches the first perfect game in Yankees regular season history. Uh, it is now one of just two uh, in the history of their franchise. And one thing I wanted to note there, when I do these teams, I always try to find one thing that, strikes like the personality of the team to show that they're not just guys on a field that they care about each other. And when I, when we picked the Yankees, I thought, Oh no, like there's not going to be anything. Like it's the Yankees. They're not supposed to have personality, especially back in the nineties under Joe Torre. Uh, but then like you watch the guys carrying him off the field. Like that doesn't just happen just because it's a perfect game that happens to guys who care about each other. And that was awesome to see because I mean, they did that to David Cohn as well the next year when he threw his perfect game. Other than that, I don't know if that's ever happened, uh, like carrying people off the field, other than, like, I think Griffey when he retired. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, they, they only do it to guys that are well-liked. I mean, uh, Nolan Ryan got got carried off in his sixth, All right. in his sixth no-hitter, but that's Nolan Ryan. I mean, you just yeah. you just have to pay the respect to the man. But like David Wells wasn't a, a hugely established guy, so they definitely cared about him. And like Paul O'Neill, uh, celebrating in in right field, you know, it's not his moment. It's it's David Wells's moment, and I think that kind of uh, can can be shown with the character of the team. Yeah. So David Wells' final line on the day: nine innings pitched. Zero hits, zero runs, zero walks, and 11 strikeouts is the only game in Yankees history with nine innings pitched, zero hits allowed, and 11 at least 11 strikeouts. So after that, uh, the train keeps rolling on with the 1998 Yankees. 
And on June 8th, uh, don't read Yankees that. Were... Don't read that. Don't read that. I put the same thing in there twice. So, so the, so uh, now the train is moving along for the, uh, for the 1998 Yankees. They just come off a dominant run. They just are going to keep, are just going to keep dominating. So although uh, David Wells had the perfect day, the star Yankee pitcher of the month would actually be Hideki Arabu, who led the AL in ERA by a full run in the month of May. He had a 1.44 ERA. And the Yankees had a team, 133 weighted runs created plus in the month in the month of May. The next best in the month of May, but next best uh MLB team weighted runs created plus was 121. They were 12% above them. And on June 3rd, the man known as El Duque uh, made his major league debut. We're going to take a look at how this went for Mr. Hernandez. Some of the fans carrying the Cuban flag of Bleacher Creatures in attendance. And there is a look at Orlando Hernandez. And as they were playing the national anthem, Kenny, I wondered what is going through his mind from the journey that he has taken from that boat in his escape from Cuba. What an experience. As you mentioned, Juan Marichal had that very high leg kick. Al Duque has made his major league debut with a fastball strike. Fastball sinking down and away. Worthwhile right there for Wade Box. Fly ball to center. Bernie Williams is there. Boy, a lot of strikes and three quick outs. And what a debut. Got him. Yeah, he went. I asked him about the team. He said, we were just bad. <laughs> Tapped out in front of the mound. El Duque off quickly. Nice reaction there. He throws out De Felice. See if that runs true to form. Tapped out toward the mound. Hernandez over quickly, and he'll throw out the Speedy McCracken. Well, he can pitch, he can move the ball around, and we've seen he can also field. And there's a strike three pitch by Orlando Hernandez. Fly ball out toward Chad Curtis. And he's able to spot it out of the twilight sky. The one-two to Martinez. He got him to go fishing. De Felice is out of there. Popped up. Curtis coming on. Tonight, it's Orlando Hernandez. Breaking ball, swung on and missed strike three. Kelly's out on strikes. El Duque's out of trouble. Swing and a miss, strike three. Like an off-speed pitch. One hopper back to the mound. Going to be an easy inning here in the seventh. One, two, three for El Duque. Nothing across for the Devil Rays. Listen to the ovation.
So a very, very impressive major league debut from the Cuban. And Hernandez is the only Yankee since 1906 with seven innings pitched, seven strikeouts, and five or less hits in his major league debut. And on June 10th, the Yankees were in Montreal and Tim Raines was in his, was back in his old home and he was looking for a very big milestone. Five run lead is a comfortable lead because the grand slam won't tie the game. So Raines is a big factor. He represents that fifth run. He's off and running. Here's the throw by Winter and he is safe. Tim Raines has joined the most elite of clubs. Three other men who had lived in the fastest of baseball lanes. Ty Cobb, Lou Brock, and Ricky Henderson, and now Tim Raines, his 800th stolen base. And it's only fitting that it comes in the stadium where he stole his first base. September 15, 1979, against the St. Louis Cardinals. Here's a look. That is that now familiar jump of Tim Raines that we've seen over the years. The throw not handled by the shortstop Mike Mordecai, and Raines is in with steal number 800. So. Tim Raines gets that accomplishment. And one thing I'd like to add, one thing I'd like to add, the announcer uh, just pretended that dead ball era Billy Hamilton didn't exist there. Did you catch that? Um, I get, yeah, yeah. Billy Hamilton had like 900 something stolen bases. Yeah, I checked it today. He had more than 800. I'll tell you that. Oh yeah. I guess, you know, maybe it's the, maybe modern era, I guess. Because, uh, well, then, well, but Ty Cobb was in there, though. Well, Ty Cobb started his career after, after 1900. I guess, I guess, but I mean, I don't know. It's like with the, with the Nolan, I think, Ryan I think they're talking baseball Koufax, history. With the, with the Nolan Ryan, I don't think they just leave that ball. Yeah. Well, I don't think they like, they just take out Billy Hamilton like that. Like, I think they just straight up forgot. Yeah. Pos- possibly, I guess. But with like Nolan Ryan and uh, Sandy Koufax's uh, like strikeout records, they they talked about modern era because Matt Kilroy, mm-hmm. I believe, has the uh, all time yeah record. that makes sense has of the... strikeouts in a single yeah because he had because Old House Radborn had like five hundred in his season, didn't he? Yeah, like four forty one, I think, and Matt yeah. Kilroy had five hundred thirteen. So. I guess it's on the uh, I don't know the modern era, not the uh, old time. No, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it hurts to add one more person to the list of 800 stolen bases. Yeah, it doesn't, and you know, like Billy Ham- Billy Hamilton. I guess he wasn't as recognizable a name, but yeah, still no. weird. I guess uh, they didn't really know their facts over there. At I think I guess it was MSG Network at the time, not Yes Network, probably. But anyway, well, I don't know because yeah. Yeah, you're right. But anyway, the Yankees won on that day, and that was their 10th straight victory. And they were now 46 and 13, 
11 games up in the AL East, and I'm kind of surprised that it isn't higher. And on July 2nd, the Yankees were down to their final strike against the Phillies, down 8-5. to five. And Jeter, after Jeter doubled and Paul O'Neill walked, Tino Martinez looked to tie the game. Deep and far, this game is tied up. Tino Martinez with a three-run shot here in the bottom of the ninth with two outs. His second home run of the night, and it's eight to eight. Holy cow, look at the Yankees. Come on. I'm guessing they were still not allowing people in that uh, right field right field roof deck. But, Probably not. Yeah, I guess not because of the uh, stadium breaking down. But the Yankees uh, went on to win the game in extras, and now they were heading into the All-Star break. So the Yankees finished the first half with a record of 61-20. and 20. Um, They were over 30 games. They were 41 games over 500 at the break. Once again, 11 games up in the East and also 11 games up in the rest of the American League. They had five players represented in the All-Star game in Scott Brocious, Derek Jeter, Paul O'Neill, David Wells, and Bernie Williams. And each of them had their own good reasons to represent. Bernie Williams, although he only played 59 games, led the American League in weighted runs created plus at the break with 175. His slash line was 365, 455, 603, 1058. Scott Brocious also led AL third baseman in Woba with a 371, weighted runs created plus with a 123, and F4 with a 2.5. Derek Jeter led all American League shortstops in OBP with a 372. David Wells was 11 and 2 with a 375 ERA. Uh, I mean, if you have 11 wins at the All Star break in 1998, that's a guarantee that you're going. And Paul O'Neill had three more F4 uh, among. Wait, what? Oh. I think I, I definitely wrote something wrong there. Oh, hey, okay. Paul O'Neill had the third most F4 among AL, AL outfielders at the break with a three flat. And David Wells pitched two shutout innings in the game, and Scott Brocious hit a single. So now out of the All-Star break, uh, the Yankees are, cru- are cruising to a division title. The Yankees finished July with a season record of 76 and 27, 15 games up in the American League East. And on August 16th, the Yankees were tied 5 to 5 in the ninth inning with the Texas Rangers. And Bernie Williams came up looking to win the game for the Bombers. He didn't really throw his split finger as as hard and as fast as these uh, players do today. High and deep to right field. This is gone. The Yankees will win it. Thank you, Babe Ruth and Bernie Williams. The Yankees win it with one out here in the ninth, six to five. Very 
Bernie Williams with his 18th home run of the year. And what a day Bernie has had. That's his fourth hit. He was four for five in a dramatic win at Yankee Stadium to close out this, this hump stand. So the Yankees win that game, and now they are on to September. So this was the September of Shane, and you might be confused as to what that means, but you'll understand it later on. On September 4th, September 4th, the Yankees were at 99 wins, looking to add triple digits in their win column. I go looking at their 76 loss of the year. Perfect pitch by Mariano striking out. Cameron, the Yankees won it 11 to 6, and they've won their 100th game of the year. They have become the first American League team in history to win 100 games at this stage of the season. And Bernie Williams with a big night tonight. Back-to-back -back home runs by Bernie and Tito Martinez. Bernie also hitting home runs from both sides. Bobby, tonight uh, El Duque did not pitch the way that the Yankee fans or Yankee brass would like to see him pitch. So before kids in New York were even back to school, the Yankees already had 100 wins on the season. And during that first week of school, during syllabus week on September 9th, they look to have it all wrapped up. As Valentin grounds towards short, this should do it. Jeter to Tino Martinez. And the New York Yankees are the champions of the American League East Division for the second time in the last three years. O'Neill with a pair of home runs. Jeter. And you see the... Uh, the mild celebration, but yet you can tell from the smiles, all of these guys very aware of what they've accomplished and how important it is. And probably in the clubhouse, Kenny, they're going to say, okay, that's step one. That's exactly right. Step one, they'd like to have a few more celebrations out in the middle of a diamond somewhere. And so the Yankees are officially the American league east division champions not a shock to anybody but still nonetheless a reason to celebrate and throughout the month of september rookie shane spencer was taking the league by storm during the month he hit he slashed 421 476 1105 for a 1581 ops eight of his 16 hits in the month were home runs and two were doubles and on september 26th he made history So Shane Spencer, as a rookie, only had 10 home runs in the very few plate appearances he had. And three of them were grand slams. The only, he became the only rookie with three grand slams in a season. Pretty incredible stuff. And that happened on the season's last day. And the Yankees... And the Yankees went on a seven-game win streak to finish the regular season. They had a record of 114-48 and 48 
22 games up in the division by the season's end. Uh, this also broke the American League record for most wins by any team in the regular season. Uh, it would later be broken, but 114 was the record at the time. So the, the Yankees are an iconic franchise. This was an iconic team. So we're going to look at the icons and pinstripes for this year. We're going to start with Derek Jeter, who slashed 324, 384, 481 for an 864 OPS. He had 19 home runs and 30 stolen bases, which gave him third place in the MVP vote. He also had 7.5 wins above replacement on baseball reference. Bernie Williams slashed 339, 422, 575, 927 in limited plate appearances, but nonetheless, he still qualified and he had 26 home runs. And this gave him seventh place in the MVP vote. Also, Paul O'Neill, he slashed 317, 372, 510, 882 with 24 home runs, and he finished 12th in the MVP vote. David Wells on the mound now finished 18 and four with a 3.49 ERA, good for a 1.27 ERA plus, with 163 strikeouts and 214 innings pitched. He led the American League in a WHIP with an with a 1.045. He led in walks per nine with 1.2 and strikeouts to walk ratio with 5.62. He finished third in the Cy Young vote and 16th in the MVP vote. David Cohn as well. We had, he went 20 and seven with a 3.55 ERA, 125 ERA plus, 209 strikeouts in 207 and two thirds innings pitched. This gave him fourth in the Cy Young vote. Orlando Hernandez as a rookie. Finished 12 and four with a 313 ERA and 100, 142 ERA plus, 131 strikeouts and 141 innings. This gave him fourth in the rookie of the year vote. Also, Tino Martinez gave himself 28 home runs in the season. The greatest closer of all time, Mariano Rivera, had himself another stellar year, a 191 ERA, giving him a 233 ERA plus with 36 saves and 61.1 innings pitched. Also, Joe Torre was the recipients of the Manager of the Year Award this year. So the Yankees, they had this incredible regular season, but we all know that it doesn't mean anything unless they win a World Series. So now we're in the playoffs. And in game one in the American League Division Series against the Texas Rangers, the Yankees had two runners in scoring position with one out in the second inning after Jose Posada walked, Jorge, Jorge Posada walked, I'm sorry, and Chad Curtis hit a double. And this brought up Scott Brocious looking to give the Yankees the lead. The opposite way and through. Posada scores. They hold Curtis at third. Good low throw from Gonzalez. And it's one to nothing Yankees in the second. So the Yankees are on the board, 1-0, and they would score another run on the next batter to go up 2-0. Meanwhile, David Wells was dealing on the mound. His line ended up being eight innings pitched, five hits, no runs, one walk, and nine strikeouts with a game score of 80. This is just one of two starts in Yankees postseason history with a game score of 80 and eight innings pitched or less, which is pretty impressive because that's less time to get to that 80 floor. Uh, yeah. So in the ninth inning... In the ninth inning, Mariano Rivera was on to finish it. Here's Mariano Rivera, who during the regular season saved 36. 
Gonzalez is jammed and a little fly ball into left. Jack Curtis, one out to advance toward the World Series title. Broken bat flare off the bat of Will Clark, and the Rangers are down to their final out here in the ninth inning. Game one to New York. So that ninth inning there was just about the perfect Mariano Rivera inning. You have a jam shot fly ball, a broken bat, and then a strikeout. It doesn't get any more Mo than that. Fair, yeah, I would agree. Mm -hmm. So the Yankees win 2 nothing, and they go up 1-0 in the series. Now in game two, the game was scoreless in the second, and Shane Spencer was getting his first, his first taste of the postseason. Bob Costas with an absolutely incredible call on that one. Uh, and Shane Spencer keeping it going in the postseason. Later in the fourth inning, Scott Brocious came up with a runner on, trying to tack on to the Yankees' lead. Here's Brocious, who singled his first time up, hit an even 300 for the year. In the air toward the gap in right center field, well hit and on its way out of here. It's the bottom of the order that's done the damage against Helling tonight. 3-0 Yankees. So Scott Brocious hits a home run to up the Yankees lead. And Andy Pettit followed up David Wells' performance extremely well. He went seven innings pitched, three hits, one run, no walks, eight strikeouts for a game score of 75. And the Yankees would win this one 3-1. to one. And now we shift over to Texas where the Yankees look to clinch the series. And this one was a pitcher's duel for the first five innings as David Cohn and Aaron Saley were dealing. In the sixth inning, Paul O'Neill looked to get the Yankees on the board. And O'Neill is looking for something he can get up in that jet stream to right field. He hits it in the air to deep left center. On the run is Goodwin along with Greer. And this ball clears it. Clears the wall in left center field. And I'm looking out at the flagpoles, and just before that pitch, the wind subsided. There's no doubt that the wind did not hurt that ball as it was hurting the other balls hit out that way. So Paul O'Neill gets it going for the Yankees. Later in the inning, Tino Martinez singled and Tim Raines doubled. This brought up Shane Spencer. On the first pitch, a long drive to left. Greer back, looking up. He's done it again. Pretty soon the devil is going to come back and claim his part of the deal. And 1998's Joe Hardy will have to go back to being whoever he was before he made that deal with the devil. 
but for now, he's a home run hitting machine. When I said before the ball game, they're going to make him hit breaking balls. And he so Shane Spencer just keeps on hitting, and he puts a tech in this series for the Yankees. David Cohn went with the theme of great Yankees starting pitching. He went five and two thirds innings pitch, two hits, one run, no runs, one walk, and six strikeouts. And in the ninth, Mariano Rivera looked to send the Yankees to the American League Championship Series. Ground ball to second, knob lock, the Yankees sweep. It took them three games and parts of four days. But they take the Texas Rangers 3 zip. Allowing them one run in the three-game series. So the Yankees move on. They sweep the Texas Rangers in a series that wasn't even really that competitive, let's be honest here. Shane Spencer in the series went three for six with two home runs and an OPS of 2,000. Paul O'Neill slashed 364, 417, 818 for a 1235 OPS with a home run and two doubles. Scott Brocious slashed 400, 400, 700, 1100 with a home run and three RBIs. Yankee, Yankee pitching allowed one run. All, all series in the three games to hold the Rangers to a slash line of 141, 177, 174, 351. And they're on to the ALCS against the Cleveland Indians. So now it is time for the New York Yankees to get revenge on the Indians for last season, some playoff revenge. So in game one, the Yankees jumped all over Jarrett Wright early in this one. And in the first, Paul O'Neill came up after two batters reached, looking to get the Yankees on the board. The 3-2 pitch, the runner's great, and a line drive to right for a base hit. Here comes Knobloch, waves home. On his way to third, Jeter, one nothing New York. next batter after that was Mr. Bernie Williams. The 1-0 pitch hit up the middle. Williams with an RBI. Four straight singles. Jeter comes across. 2-0 New York. Bernie Williams, the American League batting champion at 339, with his first hit of this postseason, and this is 12th at bat. So Paul O'Neill and Bernie Williams do damage just like they were in the regular season. And the Yankees ended up scoring five runs in that inning. And later in the sixth inning, uh, Jorge Posada came up looking to extend that very large lead. That OJ has done the job. Until now, as Posada rips one down the line inside that foul pole and gone. How prescient are these camera people? They show you the foul pole, and then Posada darn near hits it. So Jorge Posada 
bring in the power in game one of the ALCS. And David Wells had a shutout going into the ninth, but unfortunately gave up a two run homer to Manny Ramirez and the Yankees ended up winning that game seven to two. And then we move on to game two of the 1998 ALCS where the game was tied one-to-one heading into extra innings. And in the 12th inning, the Indians had a leadoff base runner with Jim Tomey taking a walk. The Tribe then had Enrique Wilson pinch hit for him, uh, pinch run run for him. The Tribe then had Enrique Wilson pinch run for Jim Tomey, which led to one of the most unusual plays you will ever see in baseball. Ryman squares to Bunn and gets it down nicely. Martinez with the flip to first, safe. Now the Yankees are going to contend as the ball rolls away and Wilson's being waved home. He stumbles. They may have a play on him. He slides in safely all the way to third. Goes Fryman. The Yankees are going to contend that Fryman was in the baseline or out of the baseline and got in the way of the throw. But that was a very poor play to let that ball roll down there while you wait for an umpire to make a decision. You have to go after the ball. You can't let the ball roll 10 feet down the right field line and no one go pick it up. The Yankees were so concerned with disputing the play that nobody pounced on the ball. Exactly. Well, the play has to be called, in my opinion, by Ted Henry, not the first base umpire John Shulock. That that's Henry's call. And he did not make the call. It's a great bunt by Freiman, which not only serves as a sacrifice, but as you see, he has a chance to beat it out. Martinez might have gotten a bit of a late break. It's going to be a close play. Knoblock covers. The ball hits Fryman. There's nothing wrong with where Fryman is, despite the Yankees' contention. Well, now Knoblock just stands there. Yeah, he's letting the ball roll and everyone's running. Now, if you look back at that play, he was running inside the baseline. But when the ball hit him, he was not inside the baseline. So we have to, I mean, that's a call that Ted Henry has to make in his opinion. Did he interfere or not? So the call there ends up remaining the same. And that play costs the Yankees game two of the series um, as the Indians won that game four to one. And then in game three, they're going to Cleveland and things did not go well for Andy Pettit in this one. The Indians unleashed their power against him that powerful lineup uh, being used against him, Tommy Ramirez, Justice, all those guys. And this particularly was displayed in the fifth inning uh, where we will show you everything that went on. And right are throwing to be throwing. And Ramirez hits one deep to right. O'Neill looking up, she's gone! The fourth home run of the postseason for Ramirez. His 49th of the year combined, regular and postseason. He has great power in all directions to the opposite field this time for a 3-1 Cleveland lead. And prior to that, Pettit had set down eight straight Indian hitters. 
In the air to deep right. O'Neal turning and looking. And gone. It stayed up there for an eternity. But when it finally descended, it was gone. Just like that, 5-1 Cleveland. And look at that, there's your example. Third of the inning, goodbye. Andy Pettit ends up giving up three home runs in an inning in that fifth inning. And the Indians ended up winning that game by that score of six to one. And the Yankees, the, the, uh, the dominant 114 and 48 Yankees were down in a playoff series now. So they're looking to flip the script in game four. And they were able to do it pretty early as the Yankees got it started early when Paul O'Neill came up in the first looking to, looking to flip back the script. As you say, he's never won in the playoffs or World Series. 0-3. He lost one LCS game as a Met and was twice beaten by the Red Sox in the 86 World Series. The 3-1 pitch is hit high in the air to right. Ramirez to the track, to the wall. It's out of here. Paul O'Neill doesn't need much hitting advice, but maybe he was listening to you. He went deep in the count, just as you said on the pregame show. Got into a hitter's count at 3-1 and one and rode it out of here into the jet stream in right field. Well, this is when the Yankees are at their best. They're a group of veteran hitters who are not afraid normally to hit with two strikes or a hit behind in the count. But Paul O'Neill is just a good hitter. We've said this the entire series. He's one of the most underrated players in the game. So Paul O'Neill gets a solo home run. Uh, it's a solo home run in the first inning. Don't mind if I play the videos a little long. I like to hear Joe Morgan a little bit. Uh, yes, yeah. TBNL and Bob Costas too. Yeah, Costas, Costas and Morgan. Like, what a dream team there. Yeah, like Joe Morgan. I don't know if I'd want to listen to any other uh, analyst over him, like play-by-play -play guy. Even though he's like a bit more old school, it's just. He's, he, was he knows so what he's crazy. talking about. Yeah. Like for a guy who was still like 15 years removed from the game at that point, he really did know what he was talking about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was, a he was, a you know, I guess to bring it full circle, one of the hall of famers who died this year, unfortunately. So rest in peace to him, but back yeah. to the Yankees to the task at hand, the Yankees, uh, you know, even with this, with this uh, first inning home run from Paul O'Neill, uh, the Yankees needed a big outing from El Duque. And a big outing was exactly what the Yankees were getting out of the young rookie. El Duque, Orlando Hernandez. 
Well he has a lot of pitches a variety of pitches and he throws them from a lot of different angles has a lot high leg kick he hides the ball but it's important for him to be able to get his curveball over the plate. One two pitch struck him out beautiful pitch there by Hernandez took a lot off of that pitch change up moving down and away from justice justice trying to pull it trying to hit the hole on the right side. Here it comes and a long drive to right O'Neill back to the wall with just enough room. Down goes Alomar and Hernandez settles in with a one two three seconds still one nothing Yanks. Three one pitch bounce back to the mound. El Duque has it runs it halfway to the bag before flipping to Martinez. And they're out of the third. Still one nothing on the O'Neill home run. York, lots of friends come to see him play. He goes down swinging. After his brother Levon did. And down goes Tommy. Two straight strikeouts to start the fourth. Well, I mean that's a possibility, but Joe Torre says he's going to stick with Andy Pettit. A mile-high pop back of the plate. Posada has it with some pop in the offseason. Brocious with a nice play. And he throws him out. Struck him out. Huge strikeout for El Duque. This is not inside, but it's just a good fastball. He drops down and throws a fastball by Ramirez. Struck him out. During Hernandez's starts. Diaz waited on that one and lined it to left, but Curtis is right there. So Orlando Hernandez works a perfect seventh. He has the drive shut out to this point. So Hernandez threw seven shutout innings, uh, and the Yankees won that game four to nothing. And then in game five, with the series tied, and the Yankees looking to go ahead in the series three to two. Uh, Chili Davis absolutely took over on the offensive side of the baseball. Well, Chili's looking for a pitch in a zone right here that he can drive. Did he find it? He slams it past Sexton for a base hit. Knobloch comes home. O'Neill scores. Williams to third. 2-0 New York. A drive to right. Ramirez turning to the track, to the wall. It's gone. So Chili Davis, a, a lesser known 1998 Yankees, a 19, 1998 Yankee comes through uh, big time in game five and well also a 1991 twin correct yeah some uh, a, a two-time a two guy on two of our uh, stbnl history teams he, he and chuck knobloch yeah that's true would you look at that mm -hmm. how yep. about that and <laughs> well well chili davis provided the hitting David Wells performed well on the mound. Uh, he went seven innings and allowed three runs. 
And the Yankees also scored on a Tim Raines RBI ground out and an R- and a, a Paul O'Neill RBI single. And the Yankees won that game five to three, giving them the series lead. So the games in game six, the series was back in the Bronx and the Yankees were one win away from the World Series. And the Yankees once again got it going early on RBIs from Bernie Williams and Chili Davis to make it two to nothing in the first inning. They tacked on in the third with a Chuck Knobloch RBI double to make it three to nothing. And the Yankees had two on and two out, and Scott Brocious was looking to install the dagger to the Cleveland Indians. So if you're Charles Nagy, you have to make a good pitch if you throw the fastball. There it is. Lofton, again turning and going back. All the way to the far right side. Goodbye! So Scott Brocious with a three-run homer to make it six to nothing Yankees. And it was six to nothing. And the game was seemingly over, but not really. And in the top of the fifth, David Justice of the Cleveland Indians drew an RBI RBI walk, which later led to a Jim Tomey grand slam. And it was now six to five. And the Indians had the momentum. The Yankees needed to get back in shape, and that's where Derek Jeter came into play. <laughs> Uh-oh, there's runners in scoring position. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Jeter, skies one to deep right center. On the run is Ramirez. Back at the wall and off the wall. Bruce scores. Girardi went home behind him. The throw is late. So Derek Jeter, as Derek Jeter does, takes a pitch inside out, turns it into a three-run triple or a two-run triple, and Jeter later scored on a Bernie Williams single to make it nine to five. And in the ninth, uh, Mariano Rivera was looking to snap the two-year streak of the Yankees not making the World Series. A bouncer out in front of the plate. Rivera pounces on it. On to the World Series.
once again in an historic 1998 season. Frank Sinatra salutes the Yankee victory in the Bronx. So the Yankees are 1998 American League champions. And we'll look at the men who made it possible. David Wells wins American League Championship Series MVP. He went 2-0 with a 2.87 ERA with 18 strikeouts in 15 and two-thirds innings pitched. Bernie Williams was also incredibly good. He slashed 381, 536, 429 for a 964 OPS with five RBI to go along with seven walks in six games. Also, Chili Davis was incredible with, with a 924 OPS and a home run in five RBI. Scott Brocious uh, with a 300 average and an 848 OPS along with one home run and six RBI. Paul O'Neill was good as well with a 280 average and an 837 OPS with a home run and an RBI. And Mariano Rivera in typical Mariano Rivera fashion, five and two thirds innings pitched with no earned runs and a save. So now we are moving on to the Fall Classic against an unusual opponent in the Fall Classic. So the Yankees are now up against the San Diego Padres for the world title. And in the second inning of game one, Tino Martinez and Jorge Posada both drew walks, which brought up Ricky Leedy with two outs. Down the right field line. It's a fair ball. Davis scores. Martinez scores. They will hold Posada. It's 2-0 New York. So the Yankees get a couple two-out RBIs there to take a 2-0 lead, but it wouldn't last for very long. The Padres tied at the next inning on a Greg Vaughn two-run home run. In the fifth, Tony Gwynn and Greg Vaughn went back-to-back to put San Diego up front 5-2. In the seventh inning, Chuck Knobloch came up as the tying run, looking to sway the momentum towards New York. The 2 on to Knobloch. Down the left field line, Vaughn in the corner, at the So Chuck Knobloch ties the game at five with a pretty big three-run home run. And later in the eighth, after after Jeter singled – or no, I'm sorry, it was later in the inning, in the seventh inning, Jeter singled after the home run, which led to Williams and Davis both walking, which brought up Tino Martinez looking to give the Yankees the lead.
and the Yankees with a dramatic game one victory. They they scored seven unanswered runs on two different home runs, and they win the game nine to five to go up one nothing in the Fall Classic. So now in game two, the Yankees got ahead early as Knobloch scored on an error, and two batters later, Chili Davis looked to build on this lead. For the Yankees, Chili Davis. Another one back up the middle. This one's through. O'Neill comes around to score, and it's 2-0 New York in the first. Get him on, get him over, get him in. And it's 2-0 Yankees here in the opening inning of game number two. So the Yankees are now up 2 to nothing in the first, but they weren't done yet in the inning. Later on, Scott Brocious came up trying to drive home Chili Davis. Brocious a base hit. It's 3 nothing Yankees. Scott Brocious knocks in his 10th run of this postseason. It is now 3-0 New York, and they struck again in the second inning on a Jeter RBI single. Later in that inning, Bernie Williams looked to put the game away. Into right center field. Well hit at the track at the wall. Goodbye. Two-run homer, Bernie Williams. And it's 6-0 Yankees in the second. So the Bernie Williams hits a home run. The Yankees are now up 6-0, and we've seen how they've gotten the offense going with those six runs, but what about all those zeros? The shutout was thanks to El Duque. The right-hander, El Duque, Orlando Hernandez, a guy who is fun to watch and hard to hit. At high leg kick, very deceptive. Whitey Ford was the first one back in 1950. Finley strikes out as he chased one on three and two. But this is not pressure compared to his journey here eventually to Yankee Stadium as he strikes out Kilby Overa's fourth strikeout. Struck him out. That's number five for Hernandez. Watch where this pitch is. Right on the outside part, right in the mid of Posada, freezing Vanderwall. Back-to-back strikeout, six on the night. Yankee bullpen last night allowed one unearned run. That was it, backing up David Wells. Not much of a swing from Vaughn. He was fooled, and he becomes the seventh strikeout victim for Hernandez. You do not see Greg Vaughn, a guy with 50 home runs this year, swing like that often. Vaughn pops it up. 
on the infield. Who wants it? Jeter hitting over. A leadoff double. A one-out single. A two-out walk. The Padres leave the bases loaded. Nine to one, New York. So Orlando Hernandez in his World Series debut shines. Jorge Posada also homered in the game, and the Yankees won 9-3. They were up 2-0 going into San Diego. So now in Game 3, this was a pitcher's duel between David Cohn and Sterling Hitchcock. They were both scoreless through the first five and a half innings, but Cohn would actually blink first. In the bottom of the sixth, the Padres scored on a Tony Gwynn two-run single and a Ken Caminiti, Caminetti sack fly. So it's 3-0 San Diego, and... The seventh inning was led off by Scott Rocious, who was looking to get New York on the board. Through to form, and it's ripped into deep left center field. At the track, at the wall, it's gone. The 3-2 fastball, Rocious knew it, and he goes deep to make it a two-run game. It's 3-1. Well, you always hear it. That's preferable to a leadoff walk. Here hit it, and Brocious just knew what was coming and did his thing. That home. So Scott Brocious hits a home run to make it a 3-1 ball game, and the Yankees would actually diminish the lead to one later in the inning when Shane Spencer scored on an error. Now in the eighth, still a 3-2 Padres game, Paul O'Neill and Tino Martinez both walked, once again, bringing up Scott Brocious, looking for the go-ahead hit this time. Now the 2-2 to Brocious. Into center field, well hit. Finley back at the track. Three-run home run for Scott Brocious. And just like that, the Yankees take a 5-3 eighth inning lead. So Scott Brocious gives the Yankees the lead. They have their second come-from-behind victory in this World Series. And, well, Mariano Rivera was on to finish it with a five-out save. Mariano Rivera out of the Yankee bullpen. Two totally different pitchers. Mendoza, who throws the sinker. And Rivera, who throws the cutter and the high fastball. center field back is O'Neill tagging is Varis he will score to make it a one-run game struck him out and Caminiti ends up seated at home plate Wally Joyner at the plate 5-4 Yankees in the ninth inning and a little broken bat pop up Jeter one away Finley to the right side the Yankees are one out away from taking the first three games Game over, and the Yankees have won the first three games of the 1998 World Series. 
So with the Padres best pinch hitter pinch running and standing at third Andy Sheets strikes out to end game three. So Mariano Rivera gets the five out save and the Yankees win the game five to four and they are now one win away from the World Series from winning the World Series I should say. So now in game four uh, this one got off to a bit of a slow start because it was a pitcher's duel but in the fourth inning something pretty incredible and unlikely uh, happened. Now block bounces one foul strike two. Who caught the foul ball? Mark McGuire. <laughs> How about that? He thought his season was over. Look at this. Good hands. <laughs> what a year, huh? So, Chris, I don't know who's counting, but... Mark McGuire was tied for the best fielding percentage in the 1998 postseason minimum one, uh, one attempt. Yeah. And, and we all know fielding percentage is the best marker for, uh, it absolutely for, uh, is. Yes. Ability. Yeah. <laughs> so this game, like I mentioned, was a pitcher's duel. Kevin dealt Kevin Brown dealt for the Padres and Andy Pettit did the job for the Yankees. The left-hander Andy Pettit is on the mound for the Yankees. And the two danger spots for Andy Pettit tonight, Greg Vaughn and Jim Larich. Often, especially with the hitters ahead in the count, that's an easy pitch to get on. That pitch hit the foot of Kilvio Veras, and now the first base umpire is going to say that Veras went around and rule it a strikeout, as opposed to Veras going down to first as hit by the pitch. Barris is trying to go down there, and the home plate umpire Dana Demuth, along with backup from Tim Toshida, are ruling that Kilvio Barris is out. Two out, nobody on. One ball, one strike. Vaughn pops it into left field. Easy for Leday as Grant got under it, and the Padres go in order in the first. The 2 2 to Hernandez. Out in front, struck him out. Trying to drag punt. The play by Girardi, the out at first, and the inning is over. A little push bunt. First pitch swinging, Vaughn taps to Jeter. And the Padres go in order for the second time tonight. Caminiti goes down swinging. The 2-2. Up the middle, Rivera robbed by Derek Jeter. That's incredible. Hit that inside pitch. Hernandez strikes out, and that's the start to the bottom of the fifth. Strikeout number four. There's Pettit getting hit by the batted ball from a right-handed hitter, but he stays with it to get the out. Varis a slow roller like a bunt. Pettit feeling his position, throws low, got him, and the inning is over. 0 for 2 with a strikeout, a ground out. And now the double play ball to second. The flip to Jeter on to first. 4-6-3. A leadoff infield single. Nothing after that. Off the plate again. Pettit the easy out at first. Up the middle for Pettit. They have Rivera hung up between second and third. The tag by Brocious. Hernandez remains at first. Two out. 
Three two pitch Gomez the fly ball to right O'Neill is there and we move to the eighth inning of game number four. So Andy Pettit with the outing of his life putting the Yankees in a position to win the World Series and the Yankees took a one nothing lead in the sixth on an RBI ground out by Bernie Williams in the seventh Scott Brocious looked to tack on. Broken bat flare over the head of Gomez. In to score is Jeter. They will hold O'Neill at third, and it's two to nothing, Yankees in the eighth. Well, if you play the infield and double play depth, there is a chance that Chris Gomez could have made that play. By bringing the infield in, no chance. The little flare that hit the infield dirt, and Brocious drives in another run. This jam badly breaks his bat, but you can see from where Chris Gomez was initially positioned, no chance to get back on that little floater. So the Yankees are up 2-0. They would get another run in the inning to make it 3-0 on a Ricky Levy sack fly. And in the ninth, Mariano Rivera, the greatest closer of all time, would look to finish off one of the greatest seasons of all time and the only way it deserved to end. Two outs, no one on, bottom of the night. The Yankees have a 3-0 lead. They are on the precipice. The stretch and pitch. Hit on the ground on a hop to Brocious. Fields, throws across, end time. Ball game over, World Series over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. The New York Yankees, professional sports most storied, gloried franchise, has once again scaled baseball's Everest. For the 24th time in their illustrious history, the New York Yankees are world champions. And the Yankees right now between the mound and first base, Mariano Rivera went down to both knees, threw his arms skyward. He was jumped on by... Joe Girardi, and then by Tino Martinez, and they're all jumping on top of each other between first base and the pitcher's mound. Joe Torre, with tears in his eyes, runs out to that crowd between home plate or between the pitcher's mound and first base, and he hugs Andy Pettit. He hugs Willie Randolph, and the Yankees are world champions and a dream season in our lifetime. We will probably never see this again. For the second time in three years and the 24th time in franchise history, the New York Yankees are World Series champions, and they did it in the most dominating fashion they could possibly have imagined throughout the entire regular season and throughout the postseason. Scott Brocious won World Series MVP, slashing 471, 471, 824, 1294, with two home runs and six RBIs. Throughout the postseason, he slashed 383, 400, 660, 1060 with four home runs and 15 RBI. Tino Martinez slashed 385, 529, 615 with an 1145 OPS with four RBIs and four walks in the series. Chuck Knobloch slashed 375, 500, 563, 1063 with three RBIs and three walks. Also, Derek Jeter slashed 353, 450, 353, 803 throughout the series. The Yankees as a team had a 275 ERA in the series, and Mariano Rivera throughout the postseason 
He's probably the greatest postseason pitcher of all time, you could argue. And he definitely set it straight this year. 13 and a third innings pitched, zero earned runs, 11 strikeouts, an opponent slash line of 136, 170, 136, 307. So now we need to talk about the legacy of this absolute machine. And that's that's where I'm going to start. They were an absolute machine. Uh, you don't win 114 games on accident. You get there with great pitching, great bullpen, great lineup, great timely hitting. The Yankees had all of it. There wasn't one particular particular source on the field where they were weak. Like they were good at everything. Uh, and this, this team, they established the 90s Yankees as a dynasty. This was the second series that they had won with this core. Obviously, they'd go on to win the next two and also won a few years later in 2009. But this is the team that really established the Yankees as a dynasty. Uh, it also established the postseason leg- legacies of guys like Jeter and Rivera. And it was, the guy, it was the first time that all four members of the core four won a World Series together because Jorge Posada wasn't on the 96 postseason roster. So this is the first time they were all there together on the roster for the World Series. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, it, you nailed it with, they, they were, they were good at, uh, everything. I mean, they their ERA, their team ERA plus and team OPS plus were both over 110, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, definitely, definitely established them as, uh, one of the dynasties and like with the, uh, with the playoffs, like they did come back in some games but with how dominant they were it it didn't seem like comebacks it seemed like their runs were just a little overdue and they were just waiting for the right time to uh to strike and it like i feel like with a team like that it doesn't seem like they faced the adversity of coming back it's just they they scored their runs late and that's that's what their comeback was it was it was very interesting Yeah, so uh, I think that just about closes the book on this team. Uh, I mean, we're they're one of the most dominant teams ever, probably the most dominant team on this list. Uh, goes without saying that they just wreaked, wrecked havoc everywhere in their path. There was no stopping this team, uh, except for when they were one and four, and that was it. That was the most uh, – that and being down 2-1 in the ALCS was the most adversity they faced throughout the season. Yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, that closes the book on the 1998 Yankees and uh, wraps it up with episode 80 of the show to be named. Of the that show wraps to be up the later. show to be named later. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's scary to think about. <laughs> So now we move on to our, our favorite part of the episode where we are uh, picking our, our next teams and players. So for any background, uh, for any background, uh, when uh, the, we knew the baseball 2020 baseball season was going to be delayed by a lot, we figured, hey, let's pick uh, 15 players or 30 players um, and 30 teams to talk about. Daniel made a list of 30 teams, uh, which included the 1998 Yankees. I made a list of 30 players, which include, which included Nolan Ryan. 
And uh, now we're down, uh, we're down to our last nine, and we now have we've de deduced our list to ten. So I will be picking a uh, number one through ten to determine the next team we will be talking about uh, from Daniel's list. You know, I don't know what the list looks like, so it will be random. And uh, Daniel will be doing the same with the player for the next week. And who picks first this week? Uh, I'm not sure who uh, who is first this week. I, I don't know. It was, I don't either. Uh, I, we're gonna have to guess. Honestly, I kind of wanna. I kind of wanna just go back. We'll, we'll pull edit this out after some heavy research. Uh, it, it is decided that uh, Daniel is is picking first this week. Uh, so yeah, what player are we going to be talking about next week? Player number nine. Player number nine. Uh, so you've 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 asked about this when this particular type. Thank of God. Thank God. Be, uh, will be featured. <laughs> and what other catcher are you going to be talking about besides Johnny Bench? There are none. There are none. Just yeah. nothing, nothing really comes close to uh, to Mr. Johnny Bench. So we're going to be talking about. That is, this is the second member of the Big Red Machine that we have, we will be talking about. Yes, uh, we talked about Joe Morgan yeah. in our second history episode, and uh, for our twenty second history episode, we're going to be talking about Johnny Bench, uh, who was great both defensively and offensively, and was very good in the playoffs as well. This is the first catcher that we've done. Yes, we have officially filled out the diamond. Uh, yeah, we have. I guess I guess technically we didn't have a relief pitcher, but who cares? We just need a starting lineup. That's all we need. Yeah, and you know what? One of, you know, either Nolan Ryan or Fergie Jenkins is going to complete that game. That's true. They did relieve at times. We'll count that. Or, like, what is... But they'll, they'll probably end up throwing nine innings, most likely. Yeah either yeah. way um so now it's your turn so now the team i've i i think i picked did i pick four last time no you uh you did not pick four last time do you want to do that this time uh you know what sure we will be uh talking about team number four next week team number four is one of the greatest come from behind underdog stories in the history of baseball this team was down to their final strike twice in the same game, in an elimination game, and they still won the World Series. We're going to do. And by the way, they weren't even supposed to be in the playoffs. They were well out of the race in September. We are doing the 2011 St. Louis Cardinals. There we go. The 2011 Cardinals. We got, yeah, David Freeze just taking over. Uh, Chris Carpenter was on this team. Yadier Molina. This was the last year that Albert Pujols was on the team. Adam Wainwright was on the team. Jason Mott was closing it out. Yeah, we get to do one of the Alan best comeback Craig. stories there. Alan Craig was on this team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the 2011, that is a fantastic story. Uh, mm -hmm. Like heading into, you know, everyone remembers. I mean, I guess this isn't a, not too take away from what the cardinals did but everyone remembers like the red sox september collapse of 2011 mm -hmm. the braves kind of did the same thing the the cardinals came back and uh That's they right. were able to make some history they were uh 
So instead of we will see you tomorrow night, it is now we will see you next year with a new name. Yes. So we hope you enjoyed the last episode under the show to be named later emblem. Uh, and uh, we hope you enjoyed every bit of it because this was a this was a long one for for both for both uh, items that we were talking about. Uh, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the videos with us, uh, we had some quality videos today. Uh, go to our YouTube channel, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, as of the recording date, it is called STBNL with Christianta and Daniel Curran. Uh, if you want to know what the new name is, if you're listening, whatever, a few days from now or years from now, whatever, uh, just go to our... Uh, I would hope our, you know by now. Yeah, go to go to our social medias um, and uh, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran and follow... The show Instagram at STBNL podcast or whatever it will be in the next few days. And we hope you enjoyed the 1998, our episode about the 1998 Yankees. And we hope to see you next week where we're talking MLB news on Tuesday and talking Johnny Bench on Thursday and the 2011 Cardinals on Friday. See you then.